telling where you'll end up. Can you make it through? To the night's end. really thought we were onto something. Mostly we have been walking around aimlessly, but finding Melik's diary really felt like we were getting somewhere. Now we have searched the whole eastern wing and found nothing. What's that, friend? Yes, we are closer than ever, but where to now? Jimmy... No sign of the remains on this side, though I did find Madeline here. How do you do, Madeline? Nice to meet you. And you. Madeline is... was Belle's lady's maid. She was closest to her before she went missing. I think I know where this is going. You don't know the half of it, Jimmy. When I woke up, I was in some form of hidden room in the eastern wing of the mansion. The room was padded. I, I was missing a leg. Malik, he, he had amputated it and... It's okay. You can tell us. We will get him together. He starved me. Then he would bring slices of cooked meat. It was, it was my leg, but I couldn't resist. He starved me until I wouldn't say no. And that was the cycle he would cut off more of, of me and then feed it to me. I'm so ashamed. Maddie, don't be. It was him, the most vile and evil man. How could we have known what sort of person he was? He was so normal when he first arrived. It will be okay. Yes, I will do anything to help. Alan has told me everything that has happened. Let me know what I can do to help. A century listening to the dead whale? Now it's time for action. Well, Maddie, we are actually stumped as to what to do right now. The diary alluded to his remains being in the east. We are so sorry this happened to you. Thank you. What about the grounds? Have you checked out there? Father? Jimmy and friend? Maddie? Is that you? Oh, Anna, my sweet Anna, how are you, my dear? Oh, it's so great to see you. Looks like we're both victims of the butler. Indeed. Even so, it is good to see you again. Hello, dear. Maddie has just had the idea to check the grounds for the Rumi. We have turned up nothing here. Yes, me too. 
Well, he was keeping the garden maze tidy, so it's not hard to think that he worked on other areas over the years. Well, I guess it is settled then. Gather the others and break off into groups in the eastern gardens. We must find them soon. My friend and I can feel ourselves diminishing. It is getting harder to open the doors. Yes, I know what you mean. We must hurry. Let's go. Dentista. Written by Eamon Murphy. Narrated by Xander Swag. Ouch! Sid Sullivan winced as another twinge of pain shot through his lower jaw. And for Sid to wince, meant it hurt. Grimly, he rummaged in the glove compartment of the battered old Ford, desperately hoping to find some painkillers. He steered the vehicle one-handed along the dusty Mexican road as he fumbled, dragging out assorted rubbish and strewing it on the passenger seat next to him. He cursed. No painkillers, just some paperwork from the hire company that had rented out the car. He threw the crap back in the compartment and focused once more on the road ahead. According to his directions, the Mexican village he sought was just around the next bend. Another twinge of pain hit. He closed his eyes and tried to focus on the bright side. Pain means you're alive, chump. That was what his boxing coach used to say when he was at school long ago in New York's Lower East Side. Kid Sullivan, they called him when he started as an amateur boxer. Later, they called him Kid Vicious. He glanced at the black attaché case in the footwell below the glove compartment. It held 100,000 US dollars and was soon to be exchanged for heroin with 10 times that in street value. Sid had a pilot's license and had flown his own light aircraft over the border that morning, unwilling to trust any of his deputies with such a mission. He wasn't the best pilot in the world, some strings were pulled to get the license, and he hadn't made the best landing at the tiny airstrip in the middle of nowhere. Any landing you walk away from is a good one. His flying instructor had said that, and it was true. Still, his heart had been in his mouth as the plane had skittered and bumped down the runway. At one particularly desperate moment, he had regretted not hiring a pilot, but that would have meant trusting someone with the information that he had a meeting in the Mexican Badlands. Sid wasn't big on trust. He looked at his watch. Twenty past eleven. He was meeting his contact at one o'clock in a quiet roadside diner. There might be time to find a dentist. Sid wasn't registered here, but he was confident he'd be treated right. After all, he wasn't short of cash. He glanced at the black case and laughed, then winced again as another nerve-jangling spasm of pain hit. It felt like someone had driven a hot iron spike down into his jaw and another one up into his brain simultaneously. Goddamn tooth! Right then, he saw the sign. Dentista. He didn't know Spanish, but the word was similar enough to be recognizable. 
It was written in faded black lettering on an ancient bit of wood hanging by two rusty chains from the upper timbers of a tilted front porch attached to a ramshackle, run-down looking wooden house on the left side of the road. Apart from the sign, there was nothing to distinguish it from the other ramshackle, run-down places that lay a few hundred yards further on. The dentist's shack was the first place encountered coming into the village. Sid swerved the car over and parked right outside. He jumped out of the vehicle and made for the porch. The pain was so bad now that he almost forgot the attaché case and had to double back to the car to get it. Then he ran to the front door of the place and burst in like Dillinger doing a bank raid. The reception area was just inside the door. A pretty blonde girl in her twenties looked up at him and smiled, showing off perfect gleaming white teeth that clearly didn't hurt a bit. Buenos dias, senor, she said, full of good cheer. Habla inglesi? demanded Sid. He was in too much pain to struggle with a foreign language. I speak English, she replied, with only the faintest Mexican accent. How can I help? Could I take your name, please? Tom Brown, he said. He could not give his real name. She wrote it down on a sheet of paper. I'm not registered here. I'm just passing through. He closed his eyes as another dagger of pain went through his head. Please hurry. The blonde looked down at him without expression. You will be one of the Silver's patients, she said. She gave him a measuring look and nodded. Yes, definitely one for DK de Silva. DK? What the hell sort of initials is that for a dentist? Sidney shook his head. The joke probably didn't work in Spanish. I told you, I'm, I'm not registered here. I'll take you right in, she said, standing up and stepping around her small desk. This way, please. She led him down a narrow corridor painted pale green. Sid followed sullenly. God, I hate dentists. Yet he never forgot that dentists had made him the man he was. Sid Sullivan, a big shot. Head of one of the deadliest gangs on the east coast of the USA. A gang that ran prostitutes, gambling, and most profitably of all, drugs. Sid was feared and hated in equal measure. But it had all started with a dentist. Look at snotty Sid. Jimmy O'Neill was the biggest kid in the fourth grade, and when he pointed the finger at Sid and jeered, all the other kids joined in. They were scared not to. Snotty Sid, snotty Sid. Sid was crying because his mother was picking him up from school in ten minutes to take him to the dentist. Every visit was torture. Helpless in a chair being scraped and drilled in agony while the grim-faced old man frowned at him and told him not to be a baby. Jimmy O'Neill punched him in the right shoulder. Cry, baby. It was a turning point. Something snapped right then in Sid Sullivan. A red haze descended and fear was forgotten. He launched himself at the school bully with his fists clenched and hammered for all he was worth, hardly able to see for tears and blind rage. Some time passed. No more! No more! Sid blinked and looked down. He saw Jimmy O'Neill, the biggest kid in fourth grade, curled into a ball at his feet, whimpering for mercy. Jimmy's eyes were red and starting to swell. Blood ran out of his nose and into his mouth. 
More blood ran out of his mouth, the other kids backed off, forming a circle around the combatants. They looked at Sid in awe and fear. At that moment, a teacher came hurrying over. What's going on here? Good Lord! Jimmy O'Neill, you boy, come here! They took Jimmy to the hospital. Sid Sullivan got a rep and was soon the leader of his own gang of bad boys. Now and then, inevitably, someone challenged him. He didn't always see red and go into the berserker fury, so the boxing lessons came in handy for those occasions. When he was hurt, though, or the other boys started winning, the red haze descended and he lashed out. When he saw red, his reputation grew. It was only a matter of time before he killed someone, a rival numbers runner called Nicky Flynn. It happened in a dark alley in the dead of night. The cops never caught Sid, but everyone in the neighborhood knew who did it. He rose through the gang's ranks and became feared throughout the underworld. No one messed with vicious Sid. Except for dentists. The hardest man in the world could not avoid a visit to the dentist and could not avoid having to sit there wholly powerless at the mercy of a man with pointed stabbing tools, sharp scraping blades, and worst of all, drills. Sid Sullivan hated going to the dentist. DK De Silva said the sign on the plain, cheap wooden interior door. The pretty receptionist opened it and poked her head just inside. Mr. Sid Sullivan to see you, sir. She stepped inside and opened the wide door for the patient to follow. Sid blinked and hesitated. She had told the dentist his real name. But hadn't he given her a fake one? Another stab of pain hit. He shook his head. No, he must have made a mistake. He stepped forward into the room, and the smell of the medical facility enveloped him. That sterile, faintly chlorine, antiseptic odor that pharmacies and hospitals have. A tall man in a white coat stood by the dreaded black chair. He was almost cadaverously thin. He had a long, narrow face with black, oily hair slicked back from his high forehead. There was an equally black mustache under his long, thin nose, and his eyes were large and almost comically round and staring. Sidney looked at the array of shiny steel instruments on the movable arm fitted to the chair and gulped. His stomach tightened, and he backed away. At that instant, he had the most terrible jolt of pain yet, as if his head had been struck by lightning. He gave an involuntary groan. A bad case, said the dentist. A terrible case, agreed the blonde receptionist, who seemed to be staring at Sid with genuine dislike. A very bad case indeed, DK. With that, she exited smartly, slamming the door. Sid blinked in confusion. What was this about? He looked around the room and noticed several odd-looking paintings here and there on the pale yellow walls. There were pictures of melting clocks and strange landscapes, prints by some famous artist whose name escaped him for the moment. He looked at the cadaverous medic. I don't enjoy dentistry, Mr. De Silva. I hope we're not going to hurt each other. He patted the shoulder holster by his left armpit, but if the other man noticed the gesture, he ignored it. 
Take a chair, please. Sid climbed into place. A cold sweat broke out on his back as he settled into the familiar, hated position. There was an overhead lamp on a long, flexible arm as usual. The dentist brought the light down near his face. Open wide. The gangster opened his mouth and the dentist hummed quietly for a minute as he examined the teeth. Then he moved the light higher. I see you have a couple of gold fillings, he chirped. I, of course, prefer. He waved his hand in a theatrical gesture and made a sort of curtsy. Da Silva. He grinned and paused as if waiting for applause. Get on with it, growled Sid. Of course, sir, of course. The dentist picked up a metal tool with a hook on the business end and began the familiar process of pressing it into the ends of the teeth one by one. He pushed hard on one spot and Sidney groaned. He carried on with the circuit of the mouth, then went over to a filing cabinet against the wall. Sidney sat up and watched as the tall, lean figure pulled out a red file and read it, humming quietly. Then he turned to face the patient. My, you have been a naughty boy. What? The dentist shook his head. Not flossing, not brushing regularly, eating a lot of sugary foods, alcohol too, no doubt. Just fix it, said the gangster. De Silva nodded. A lie back, please. Sid reclined again, then tensed as he heard the sound he dreaded most in the world. The high-pitched whine of the dentist's drill. He felt a cold sweat break out on his forehead and his back. His mouth was suddenly parched and his knuckles whitened as he gripped the sides of the dentist's chair. Open wide. Reluctantly, Sid Sullivan opened his mouth wide. The drill whined closer to his right ear and he saw it heading towards his face. He closed his eyes. He felt the first touch of cold metal on a tooth to the upper left side of his mouth. The whine became louder. There was a sudden increase in pressure. A bolt of pure agony shot up from his tooth into his head. He swiped the dentist's hand away and leapt out of the chair, his hand clamped to his mouth. What the hell are you playing at? De Silva raised an eyebrow and waved the drill at him mockingly. Then he laughed. That was it. Sid drew the 38 automatic from the shoulder holster. You're dead! He pulled the trigger six times, bumping six bullets into the man opposite. The crack of the shots was almost deafening in the small room. The dentist twirled in a circle like a dancer. Then he raised his right hand and held it out, palm open. Sid looked at the hand. Six bullets sat there. He dropped his gun in shock. Lead, said the dentist in a disapproving tone. I told you, I prefer... He twirled again. Da Silva. He popped the bullets deftly into his mouth and chewed. Sid could only stare. I must be dreaming. Da Silva laughed. Then he stepped forward, reached out with his right hand, and picked the gangster up by the throat, as Sid might pick up an annoying child. Sid felt himself slammed into the dentist's chair, and for a second, he lost consciousness. When he recovered, he could feel a wide strap across his forehead, pinning him down. Others bound his arms and legs. He writhed helplessly. The dentist leaned over him and smiled. 
You're not dreaming, old fruit, he said. You're dead. Let me go! De Silva just laughed again. You didn't walk away from that landing, Sid. The plane crashed. Everything since then has been on my territory, my turf, as you gangsters say. Your turf? Sid continued to pull against the straps holding his wrists, but it was hopeless. He felt a wave of despair. Hell, dear boy, the dentist smiled. This is hell. Nor are you out of it. No! Sid shook his head. He was dreaming, hallucinating. Hell is different for everyone, Sid, but this is yours. Eternity at the dentist, in the chair until the end of time, filling time, you might say, which reminds me. The next sound was the whine of the dentist's drill. Sid screamed. De Silva smiled. Open wide. Listening to the Night's End podcast, which is a production of Dissonance Media. Dentista was written by Eamon Murphy. You can connect with him on Twitter or head to his webpage. You can also find out more or purchase more of his work on Amazon or Smashwords. All links in the description. Narration was performed by Xander Swag from the Xander and Stone podcast, a science and supernatural podcast where they talk about all things weird. Just search Xander and Stone wherever you get your podcast or head over to excesspodcast.com or follow his personal Instagram account. Link is in the description. Anna Mortane was performed by Rebecca Strazina, who is the host of her show, The West London Witch. Madeline was performed by Maggie from the Ladies of Fright podcast. Alan Mortane was performed by David Martinez. Jimmy Horrors was performed by James Barnett. Links to all these talented people's pages and podcasts in the description. This episode was edited and produced by James Barnett. If you don't already know, we have submissions open for our Halloween special. So if you think you have what it takes to scare the pants off our listeners, head on over to nightsendpodcast.com and submit. We're looking for stories between 2,000 and 8,000 words. And as always, stay horrific, everyone.